Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Hey, Sales Enabled Podcast listeners. This is Alistair Wilcock, co-host of the RevOps Podcast. We have another special episode for you coming right up. So if you like what you hear, come and subscribe and join us at the RevOps Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's RevOps Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock, Chief Strategy and Revenue Officer here at Revenue.io. Howard Brown is my co-host and all things revenue science. But today we are super thrilled to welcome Camille Rexon to the team. Camille is the general manager over at 42 Agency. Camille, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Camille, you know, we've had some fantastic conversations and today I wanted to dive into how sales is over-tooled. Yeah. And when you think for our audience to have context here, just in sales, so just sales reps today, they are using on average eight different tools themselves. That's just sales reps. Yeah. You then look at RevOps teams or we look at marketing teams. Yeah. And it is not uncommon to see stacks and enterprises today bordering between 30 and 40 different tools, all in the spirit of getting revenue and keeping revenue. Yeah. Now, when I looked at, when I worked at Gardner and we looked at this all the time, like technical debt is a thing that was often reserved for, you know, when you're building product engineering teams, things like that. But I would argue that go to market technical debt is more rampant than it's ever been. Yeah. It was very prolific through the pandemic because everybody bought a bunch of stuff because they wanted to know what's going on. Yeah. And, and now we have technical debt inside our go to market teams and sales, I think is actually largely over tooled. And we're about to see a big trend towards platform consolidation. But what's your take? Correct. Yeah. I think because sales has moved to an activity-based model, I think there's too many tools for people to use to just generate a bunch of activity and we're moving more towards automation, but it's core sales is about connecting with people. I'm in sales right now because I run my agency. I'm terrible at it, but it's at the core of sales, it's the people connection. You have to build trust, credibility, and understand the problem. And I don't want to say this without sounding like a jerk, but like we've become lazy in the sense that we think tools and more tools and more automation will solve the problem. So I think the core of sale, like you have to spend more time building the list than you have to spend time automating the actions you take. Yeah. If your list is good and you have the right kind of segmentation and you have the right kind of people and you're done your research on them and you understand their pain points, then the selling process becomes easier. Yeah. 
but I think we've gone to a model where we emphasize more on how many calls did you make, how many emails did you send out, how many this. So I think sales reps are being pressured to do more activity. And sometimes that activity itself is meaningless without the actual foundational pieces like understanding the customer, understanding the challenges, and that piece is going to be automated. But because there's so much pressure on generating more activity, there's more and more tools popping up to like help you automate a bunch of activity, like outreach, you can put in somebody's name and they can shoot out a 10 emails sequence. And, and I would, dare I jump on the uh, clickbait commentary, but you know, we've all seen chat GPT and these tools in the news, like front and center, they're on, yeah. what do you need to hop on LinkedIn and every third person wants to say something about chat GPT because it gets clicks and views. <laughs> but it's interesting when you think of the future generative AI and you think of a lot of the tools that are out there are already seeing some that, oh, well, we'll, we'll write prose for you. Yeah. An email. Yeah. We'll, we'll do all of that. And I think you're hitting on something that's really important for people to be aware of here. There is effectiveness to an extent in volume. Yeah. But volume without the personalization, volume without the problem understanding, volume without all of the empathy built in is absolutely going to have detriment effects on your brand and it's definitely going to have yep. on your conversion. And I think there is, you know, being such a push to your point of, hey, how do we sequence? How do we, how do we reach? We just got to reach these people through more and more channels. And that's been hard. Yeah. But I'm not sure people are very adept at now solving. Yeah, but how do I personalize? Yeah. How do I know somebody's problem is? Yeah. Right? How do we do that? How, how do you solve that? So I'll give you an example. I was talking to, we're trying to run our own outbound sequence right now. And I I've, I've ran one myself and I failed miserably, like incredibly bad. Because I just said like, I was, to be honest, I was being lazy. And I just like got a list of Zoom and fun, like, I'm just going to send all these people an email and say, hey, my name is Camilla. Like, I didn't take my time to sort of segment the audience into these people work in these type of companies. These are some problems they have. Just look at their LinkedIn. Look at what they're posting about because we sell to marketers and CROs and they're all active on LinkedIn. I should have spent more time doing that work up front rather than trying to push out a bunch of emails. And I did. I got like diddly squat results because I didn't actually segment I didn't speak to their problems. And I think if I had spent more time doing that work up front and like chat GPT, I don't think so. So that like chat GPT, it's very easy to say like what's generated, like what's AI generated and what's actually human. Yeah. Because it's like, like you can just always tell. And I think it also comes off as like not genuine. Yeah. So I've responded, I've bought stuff off Outbound and like it has been a mix of timing and they understood like as an agency, I have specific challenges. Yeah. I'm not saying you should like spend hours on one person because again, you need to like have that trade-off between return and investment. But even if like I bought stuff about one because they had the context and understanding of as an agency owner, I have these problems. Now I'm sure they sent that same email to like 20 other agency owners, but they did like understand what agency owners struggle with at a certain stage. So, so let me ask you a question because the, look, a lot of this is, is timing. Right, like it, yeah. when you have to get the timing right, and I, people say that's lucky. I would say you know, hey, there's there's this always an element in luck, but I believe you make your luck. Yeah. So so when we think of timing and we think of how you're going to help people actually with identify a clear problem. Yeah. And then build that to sequencing and everything else and into the tooling. How do we help identify that at scale? Like what what is 
good enough problem identification? Yeah. And what is good enough personalization? That's a good question. So I actually read this article, and this is more the marketing side, because on the marketing side, we've been hyper-obsessed with hyper-personalized, hyper-targeted ads. Yeah. But that essay makes a case that if the ad is good enough for one segment of people, it's probably going to work for every segment of person. So like, I think we might be over-personalizing, and it might be over-personalizing to a degree where it's having a detriment. Like, the incremental revenue or outcome you're getting for the effort you're putting into personalizing, you're probably not getting that. So I think there has to be a balance. And like I go to a website and they use Clearbit to like slap my logo on some pictures. Does that really make me more inclined to buy or do I think that's like a cool, nice gimmick? Yeah. For me personally, I'm like, yeah, that's cool, but it doesn't mean I'm going to more likely to buy this because they looked up my IP address and put my logo for Clearbit. Like, I think we're like indexing too much on the personalization side and we're not segmenting so much on the, we're not indexing so much on the segmentation side. Yep. Where we try to understand as a broad bucket of people or the market, what are the common traits across all of these? Because that's more impactful and that's probably more bad for your buck than like hyper-personalizing every single touch point to that person. I would agree with you there. And I think some people would disagree with us. Yes. Yeah. I get solicited on things as I'm sure you do and stuff. I think yep. most of our listeners would. I, I delete almost all of it. And I and I don't actually really, hey, you cue on on something personal for my personal life. I'm okay. I, 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 I see you figure something out, but it. I'm still not sure that's does make it a top priority for me now to listen to. Yeah. Like if I was thinking about an enterprise segment, and going to say, okay, I need personalization strategy. Yep. Um, and you know, let's say I want to target sales leaders. All right. Well, I in an enterprise, yeah, EVP of sales as a role that may be a persona. I'm going to have then their functional leaders, area leaders, and then I'm going to yep, and yep. leaders, ops managers. And so, as I tell you, you stratify. Think of the personalization. So, what's an what's an EVP of sales wanting to do? Well, let's say right now in the market. They probably got a lot of you know business impact tapping on revenue compression, and so they're probably getting pressed yep. hard on cost of revenue, right? So they probably got their board yep. EO saying, cost of revenue is too high. How do we optimize it? What are we going to get done? So they're going to go, yep. how do I optimize? Yep. How do I reinvest to transform? Because I know I got to come out the other end of this thing and still scale, yep. right? So they go to the VPs. The VPs, they, their message on that is, oh, cost of revenue. Well, I kind of just cut people, but- you know, I wonder what happened if I improved my win rate conversion and what would that do to the you know efficiency rate of each of the reps? Well, that would probably help. He probably really Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Then I go to the ops manager and the sales ops manager to sit there and say, hold on. They aren't so concerned about the conversion rate. They're on the tactic of, okay, how would I improve the conversion? That's probably through some guided selling. I need routing. I better ICP information. Yes. You got to have all of this. Yes. And I got to reduce our turnaround time on all of those teams. So I need yeah. corp. Yeah. Now I'm selling the same thing to the same organization. Yeah. But you're just segmenting my different pain points. That's, yeah. And once I've got that done, that that isn't going to be fundamentally different across many enterprises. Yeah. Right. So you now do that at scale. And yes, add a name, maybe add a logo. You can do some other cutesy stuff to increase the value potentially. But I think both in written prose and in the conversation, stratifying that way is is really good. 
And that's hardly a new aha. I just think yeah. over tooled and over access back to the volume piece, and we now don't spend enough time on this in most companies. We don't. And I think the over tooling hurts because I've talked about this before. It creates like integration debt, marketing debt, sales, technical debt, because your tools don't talk to each other. And then marketing is on their own doing something else. And they don't know that sales is doing this thing. And there's a lot of cross wires going on or the routing is fundamentally broken and there's no territory planning being done. And then the other thing like we run into a lot in our work is like sales is using outreach. They don't even like that outreach activity isn't being logged into Salesforce. Nobody knows what's happening because it's all in different data tools and different data formats and all that stuff and like bringing that all together into a like it creates a lot of those friction points as well and then like you said it's like different values for different segments it doesn't mean that you have to say oh i saw you went to xyz school you might like that if the timing is wrong and if it the the value doesn't speak to the problems we're having no matter how much you personalize it it's not gonna change my mind yeah 100%. And I think I just want to double click for everybody on a very tactical insight here that I'm not sure it'd be caught that you said. Some tools, especially in the sales effectiveness, engagement, RevOps space today, uh, you will often find there's replication of data. Yeah. You're, you're taking one set, I'm replicating elsewhere and so forth all the way through. That creates a lot of bloat and a lot of data inaccuracies in terms of the process, they my confidence of what it is. Yeah. You tend to see volume go and again, you get less, less personalization. Yeah. So I always caution people, if you don't always bias towards not replicating your data. And it creates more work for the teams to debug and clean and oh, really does. Oh, man is it. Yeah. And the ability to get then the insights off of that, like getting into like the auto yeah, yeah. for data collection, transformation, delivery, starting to get into like intelligent forecasting and just support yeah. Yeah. all of that. It's very dangerous when you're replicating data sets because if there's any inconsistency, it's not a one for one. It actually goes from a one to four, one to six amplification. Yeah. 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 What it was there over. Yeah. If you have any issue in that data set, you're amplifying bad decision making. Yeah. And I think that's, I, it's, when I think of tech consolidation, I think of the tooling consolidation. Start with the data in mind, right? Think of how I yes. simplify the data journey across the buyer journey, across my revenue stream. Yep. And absolutely limit replication. And start with the questions. Like a lot of times people are saying, oh, if I could track this data like this, that'd be cool. But I'm always pushing back saying, but what question fundamentally do you want answered Yes, that this data can provide you? Right. Because a lot of times data for the sake of data is not helpful. Oh, 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 oh day long. Yeah. Yeah. And and we have a lot of that happening right now, right? You go, well, we, we need to invest more in our RevOps organization because we have so much data. Ask yourself, get rid of half of the data. Yeah. That's a good place to start. In sequencing technologies, it is not at all uncommon that you will find there could be quite literally thousands of sequences that, a, that an enterprise company is doing. And that itself yes. is a go-to-market debt feature where you just need to go start literally draconian and turning half of them off because you will, you'll find yeah. it's yeah. daunting. They're not kept current. They're not kept up to the personalization yeah. level that's needed. And therefore, you get a lot more generic stuff going out. Yeah. It's more about process. I always say process, people, debt technology. So like you figure out the process, you figure out the right people for it, then you build the technology around it. Yeah. A lot of people I find buy the technology and then they're like, 
oh shit, we don't have a process yeah. or we don't have the people or we don't pay. Yeah. So, so as you were, if you were looking at a company right now and they said, all right, I, I bought in Camille, I'm going to consolidate my stack. Just walk me through some steps of, yeah, how do you help them select and how do you help them rationalize the technology stack? I think there's too much technology that doesn't add any value. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna name names, but like fundamentally you need a CRM. Is it? That's core unit of tech CRM. Yep. Everything sort of layers on top. Do you need a direct mail sendoso or can you just like if you're doing low volume, can you just do it by hand? Maybe you can just do it by hand. You don't need to buy sendos. There's no not an incredible value add because you don't have a high volume of things going on. Do you need call tracking? Are you even getting enough calls to justify call tracking? Or can you just like consolidate that with like something else and buy more of an all-in-one tool that does it for you? Because fundamentally, what also that does is your underlying database is the same. So the data transformation and data mappings become so much more easier than if you have like 10 different tools plugging into Salesforce and they're all trying to like send it to Salesforce and you're trying to manage all of these complexity inside of Salesforce. Yep. If you can just build an ecosystem that's based on a central database, that's one. Or like build a data warehouse that you push on the data and then it's easy. Like the more you can cut the fat because there's too many tools that try to do point solutions that don't add so much value. And I'm seeing this right now with some of our customers where they're asking the hard questions like, do we actually need this extra tooling or can we just make do with what we have? And the answer is always you can make do with what you have instead of like buy five different tools that you need to then integrate and manage and all that stuff. I agree with you. And what I would say is I'm going to put the spin on what you just said, but for now the you know, a, a large organization, right? Where there's, there's a lot of potential things going on. The first thing I want to look at is what each piece of technology and our overarching footprint, what's the system complexity? Yep. Right. And and give it a score, right? Then you would literally on a, you know, uh, you would do this usually on a scoring grade, one to 10, how complex is it? And then I would go, okay. And then process complexity. Yep. And organization complexity. I may or may not have a complex or good, but those are all grades that come in. And, and I think most people are pretty good at that. Yeah. They, they will go, okay, well, I got a rough idea of what those things are. But then you look at what is the customer value of the business process change? So for instance, if I'm going to go buy a piece of technology to help me with intelligent forecasting, AI-driven yes. revenue intelligence, all right, is it complex? Is the process heavy? And is it going to work within our... Or, or the complexity of existing infrastructure, right? And then we go, okay, yeah. well, it yeah. passes all of those. Then you go, what is the value of revenue intelligence as a technology to the customer? What's the customer value score? Yeah. What's the business value score? And how competitive are we with or without that? Yeah. And, and when you actually do this, we call these, in a consultant world, you would call this a value complexity index score. Yeah. And if you actually ask those six buckets, again, just for everybody to listen, so we have system complexity, process complexity, or complexity, right? Three, then we're doing the value ones, customer value, business value, competitive value. One to 10 on each. We're then dividing the two, coming up with a score, and then you literally map that against every business process. So... I'm using the example of forecasting and revenue intelligence. Yeah. But you would do that across agilities. I do that across account master sets. I could do that across quoting process and so forth, sales reporting. And, and you know, the list could go on depending on the organization. And it's a great way of you going, you know what? I now can actually see where I'm over-indexed or under-indexed. Yeah. And I can cut tools from that. 
or maybe I should add something because yep. it's going to increase the value. And and I think yep. that's a it's a rational way of doing it when most tools are not bought in a rational way. Yes, and also if you like if you're having a problem buying a tool to solve it for a one-off. Yeah. Is it a one-off problem that just happens like once every six months and you can just use a bandage solution for it? Or do you actually need to build a whole investment tool and infrastructure to actually solve that problem? Yeah. A lot of times it's, the answer is maybe you can just, you don't have to invest in a tool because the complexity of adding another tool just outweighs the problem solving. Yeah. Yeah, really is. All right. So final question for you is, I know we're going to run out of time here quickly, but if you were building from the ground up today, you could build your perfect technology stack. Yeah. What would you have? Yeah. Oh, that's a bad question. <laughs> I would have a data vendor, CRM, marketing automation. And then on top of that, I would add like some kind of a call intelligence tool for calls, sales calls, some kind of sales automation tool, a routing tool, because routing is fundamentally, I feel like it's a big pain point and it's not addressed enough. So like a routing tool. Uh, attribution, attribution is another topic I can go on about, but like, I would probably hold off on that because there's a lot you can do yeah. with the existing tool to get some baseline attribution versus like investing in a tool for that. And then I think that would be it for now. Just like base go to market stuff. I would not bother with like ABM tools or web personalization or some IP lookup stuff. I don't think like that comes after the maturity curve. So fighting words for many people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the ABM word is a sacred one. Camille <laughs> Rexon, General Manager, 42 Agency. It has been a pleasure having you here today. I think we could go on a lot more about how to consolidate the technology stack. I hope the, you know, the grading frameworks we laid out for people, your views on where to start and what to get rid of help. Just for our audience, I'd love to have Camille back because you also have a fantastic vantage point of view around some of the attribution intent data. Um, and I don't think you necessarily agree with everyone and think there are, actually might be some problems with some of the intent data that is out there. So let's follow up. I'd love to have you back and discuss some of that. And, uh, and we will see you next time. Awesome. For those listening in, again, thank you for joining us. And please don't forget to like and subscribe our podcast. Keep your calling questions coming and we will endeavor to answer them on a future episode. You can reach us at 323-540-4777. That's 323-540-4777. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales, we're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.